Well, hey there, podcast listeners. It's Pastor Brian, and we're talking today through message number three in our five-week series on Romans chapter eight from PursueGodNetwork.org. You can find all of the sermon resources, including manuscripts, at PursueGodNetwork.org. Go to our sermon library there, and I'm here with Pastor Scott and Pastor Ross. They're going to help us talk through this series that they've put together. Ross, before we get into message three, why don't you get just give us an overview of what we preached on last week as we get into week three? Okay, well, uh, in the last passage we're looking at, we were looking at verses fourteen through seventeen, and they pull together three of the main themes of the of the chapter: the work of the Holy Spirit and um, uh, suffering, and our and our role as children of God and God's purpose for us. So, uh, we talked about how, as God's children, we are His heirs. We have this inheritance of glory, and but we also have a surprising inheritance of suffering. And so God uses that even in a positive way in our lives. And so actually then this third message then continues those themes of, of God's children, the theme of suffering, to help us understand more about what those things are about. Okay, so then, the, Scott, the sermon title for this third message is Why Later is Better Than Now. I like that title. So why don't you give us just a, little, a quick little overview of this message, and then we'll dig into it. Yeah, so uh, this deals with verses 18 through 27, um, and one thing we do that is unique to this message in this series is um, we don't start with verse 18. Um, we are going to save verse 18 uh, for the end, um, and I'll explain why in just a moment here. But uh, the first point that we start off with is because of sin, the world is not what it ought to be, uh, which is found in verses 20 through 22, uh, which talks about the curse that uh, creation is under um, and establishes that truth. And from there, we go to God's creation and his children have the hope of future glory. And so that's verses 23 through 27, which talk about not only um, creation, but we ourselves uh, groan and um, feel the effects of the curse. And um, But we have this great hope uh, and uh, we are meant to develop patience and, and be sustained through this. Um, and then and then at the, the last point, we end with the joy of the future will be greater than our current suffering. And that's where we go back to verse 18, uh, which says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will later he will reveal to us later. Uh, and so uh, in this one, we kind of flip things around and end with the beginning verse, which is this promise um, that current suffering is going to, be nothing compared to the future joy that we'll experience. Okay, now before we get into these uh, specific points and kind of break it down for preachers, how, Scott, how are you going to approach this in terms of the intro? What you know, what's what? How are you going to grab people's attention? What's your hook? Well, um, let me say even before we just get into that, or as we start to think about that, I think this is probably the hardest message to mm -hmm. preach. Uh, because it deals really with future payoff. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, really, for the most part, it's heavy future payoff. And the hardest thing to sell is the future. Um, that's why it's really hard to sell life insurance because it's really, you know, it's hard to, mm -hmm. it's hard to sell a diet. It's hard to sell uh, saving your money uh, because it is hard to sell the future. And, and we're selling uh, eternity. So that is really in the future. Uh, it's, we're selling after death. 
Um, that so, sounds like a good hook, by the way, Scott. I think that's great. I think I don't know if that's one of the things well, you're going to use at the beginning of your sermon, but I think that's great. Well, maybe that now is the hook then. Uh, <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. So um, I think even like in the previous week, that's why you really want to give some tangibility um, to heaven and you know our inheritance, future glory. You, you want to paint a really compelling picture of it uh, because it's tough to sell the future. So yeah. So uh, that, yeah, good point. The, the intro could be just trying to sell the future or, or trying to make decisions now based on future payoff and how hard that is. Yeah. I think that's a great, cause that really, again, the tight, that first slide comes up why later is better than now that just lends itself to, Hey, we're in Romans chapter eight. It's our third week. And we, we just, we're, we're, I mean, this has been great. We're going through verse by verse. And today we're talking about the future. And have you ever thought about how hard it is to sell the future? Maybe talk about life insurance salesmen. Yeah. Or... And, and so how we actually live every day is as if now is better than later. Mm. You know, that's, that's why I eat what I eat and mm. so forth, you know? Oh, that's good. Um, you could, yeah. So there's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff. I think that you can pull into this at the beginning of this message. Yeah. Cause I really need to watch that show more than I need to go to the gym and I really need to, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. We live, everyone just lives, especially in America. We just, we're this instant culture. We live for now. We live for now. And, and, and so we're going to this ancient principle in this letter written 2000 years ago. And here it is, you know, starting in verse 20. Okay. We're going to, like you said, Scott, we're going to save verse 18 for the end, right? That's the payoff. So let's unpack this first point. Okay, so now we, we, we did our hook, and now we're talking about this point, that because of sin, the world is not what it ought to be. What do, what do we mean? What does Paul mean by that in verses 20 through 22? What do we mean by that? Um, well, so here, the, the, the big idea of this point is to say that creation, um, or what maybe we would call nature, is the way it is. Uh, because of the curse of human sin. So that's the driest way to say that. Mm. But I, I think that's a really compelling point, that when we look at the world around us and we see things like earthquakes and natural disasters and famine mm. and violence and war, uh, but, but really maybe more focusing on the creation aspects of natural disasters, famine, diseases, uh, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Mm. Uh, this is not right. This is not what God intended. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, God creates the world, and he looks at it, and he says that it's good. Uh, and then he creates humans, and he puts us in the world, and he says it's very good. And so this world isn't as it's supposed to be. And so the next question is, well, why? Why is it the way it is? And the answer is human sinfulness. Mm. Um, and so it says here that uh, that creation is subjected to God's curse. And the curse is, goes back to Genesis chapter 3, um, which teaches us, shows us that, um, you know, Adam and Eve are in the garden. God says, you can eat of anything, but don't eat of this fruit. They eat of the fruit. They bring sin into the world, into the human race. And God curses not only humanity um, and Satan, uh, but he curses the ground mm. and he curses creation. And so... Um, I think it's pretty surprising, interesting, that creation itself and all the devastation from creation is a result of human sin. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not an accident uh, or it's not maybe like a, a, a Buddhist or Stoicism would say, you just need to accept life as it is and move on. Mm. Um, that really, No, there's a fundamental problem here and we should 
we should uh, we should take note of that. The world is broken, and we're the ones who broke it. God didn't yeah. break it. God yeah. didn't make it like that. So, Ross, how deep into the weeds do we get on this doctrinally? Because some people are obviously then, you know, people could say, well, then is God that strong? Is God that powerful? How could God let that happen? Right. Right. Well, with every every sermon, there's a part of the skill of preaching is to decide what you're not going to say. Right. Um, there's always things you can do. And so one of the ways to get into the weeds is to try to do the uh, theodicy. Theodicy is like mm-hmm. the idea of. Is God uh, just, is God righteous? Is God just? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you, you, I don't think we need to do that here. I think we we're just looking at okay, this is the way it is. We can all recognize the way it is, mm-hmm. and so because we really want to get to the hope part of it. I think another way we could get into the weeds here is to spend a lot of time uh, looking at the verses in uh, Genesis chapter uh, mm-hmm. three, right? Uh, one through three, and looking at original creation and the fall and. Uh, and I, I think we can just refer to that probably in passing. Um, to but but I think it's pretty easy to look around and see the world the way it is, and there, everybody probably has at least some sense that the world is not the way it ought to be. And Ross, one of the things I, I like in your manuscript as I looked at it, you were you're going to be talking about this looking forward concept, this this longing concept. You know that creation, he says in the passage, that creation has been groaning, right? How are you going to preach to that, this idea of longing? Well, I think everybody experiences that mm-hmm. at some level or another. If you're single, maybe you have a longing for a partner, even not even about singleness, but just about loneliness. Mm. You have a longing for connection, for relationship. We have, we have, we have a longing for life, you know, to, for our ship to come in, so to speak. And, and I think we all can, in a fallen world, we can all relate to this sense of, and it, you know, it's not just a theoretical thing that it's bad and it ought to be better. It's an emotional thing. Like right now, my wife is out of town mm. uh, for like ten days. It seems like twenty days. Mm. Or, and so, so I'm just longing for our connection. You know, it's not the same on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everybody can relate to that idea. I can see a joke in there, Ross. Maybe you're hoping she's longing for that connection too after a few days. But. <laughs> All right. So the first point then is the world isn't as it ought to be, and then we pivot. Scott, to the second point, which is that God's creation and his children have the hope of future glory. And in, in particular, we're, we, we put this in the point that it's not just his creation, because that's really what the first point was about, all creation groans and longs. But mm-hmm. we're also then throwing into the second point that also then his children have this future, this hope of future glory. Yeah. So uh, that's what he says, uh, verse 23, and we believers also um, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And I think that is what a deeply personal truth that is, um, that it's not just that you read the news uh, or you see some video about children dying in Africa and your heart's moved and you send some money and maybe you pray for them. Uh, but it goes beyond that. It, it goes to the point where uh, you um, yourself are groaning. And so he talks about release from sin and suffering. So I think he's talking about as Christians, you know, we wage war against sin in our lives, and yet we fall sometimes uh, in that fight against sin, and we we succumb to it, and that's that's 
stinks. I mean, that's terrible and it doesn't feel good. And it's, I mean, uh, it's like, uh, the, the longer I'm a Christian, the more frustrated I get with myself for my sins. And it's like, still, I'm still dealing with this stuff. Like what's, what's the deal, Scott, you know? Um, so there's that groaning and then there's the groaning of suffering, uh, of, you know, um, just physical limitations, physical frailties, uh, your body breaks down, mm. disease happens. Um, so we have all, all of this going on. Yeah, and I would point out in, in under this section, one thing that was interesting to me, he uses a great illustration. And so we're always thinking about how we're going to illustrate the points that we're trying to make. And, and if there's an illustration that's already in the text, mm-hmm. then run with it, you know. But he uses mm. this great illustration of, of pregnancy and childbirth. Now, I've never mm. experienced that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like I said, my kids are adopted, so I'm even one step removed. Mm. But no, but everybody knows what that's like at some level. And so, you know, there's pain, there's longing, there's hope. There's like, can I just get have this baby and get it over with? Mm. Um, and it's difficult, but it, but it yields something desirable. It yields something that is hopeful. And so I think that's an illustration that's built right into the text that we could maybe... Uh, take advantage of yeah that's good mm-hmm. and, and there and you can have a little i'm always looking in sermons i agree with you ross or scott i think this is probably the hardest of all five of these messages to preach for several reasons but I'm, so I'm, one of the things i'm going to look for when i'm preaching this is just for some opportunity to take a little bit of a breather and laugh a little bit and that might be a great example to you know talk a little bit about um, childbirth make sure you get permission from your wife before you do that yeah. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and and that's true you kind of want to you, you don't want to stay in one tone uh for a whole sermon whether mm-hmm. that's light or or whatever um so that's a good point and people kind of need that release so it's good to come up with a joke or a little story or something um but you know the question then is well okay so we, why why like what are we supposed to do with this mm-hmm. with all this suffering um and i mean there's a lot of trails you could run down and you just got to be careful not to run down all of them. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we've done a lot in American culture to mask our suffering and a mask literally with, uh, you know, things like, um, uh, plastic surgery. We literally can mask our <laughs> aging to some degree. Right. Um, and, and yet the people that Paul was writing to were deeply aware of their own suffering. Um, and again, not just persecution, but just people died. People right. get a cold and die. And that just happened, you know? Hmm. Um, and so, we, we mask that so much, or we have so much hope in technology to save us and rescue us. And Paul says that our hope should be in our future inheritance in Christ. And really what all this is meant to do is to bring us to uh, patience, to, to bring us to a sense of patiently waiting on the Lord, patiently waiting for the future. Uh, and I, I have to think for myself um, and for my children and the emerging generation uh, of Americans, what a great lesson, right? To, mm. to be patient and not to, to reject instant satisf- satisfaction. But in the meantime, going back to the text, in the meantime, this is, it's, is, this is interesting, and so I want to hear how you guys would address this. It's in verse 26, Paul says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, right, while we're patient. And he says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. Now, I know, Scott, you and I got in the studio and did a, actually a, a, a supplementary topic on this particular verse because, mm. because some church traditions would interpret this differently than others. Are you going to touch on this at all, or is this, is this a hot potato you stay away from when you're preaching this sermon? 
Well, I would love, and, and I'd almost love to take a week to sort of let this spin off and be its own thing, because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of in, it opens up an interesting idea. But in, in the context of this sermon, um, and again, you have to be mindful of time. But I, I think what you can build to is I think there's this sense of what Paul's saying is, you know, as Christians, we just we have days where we're just like, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> you know, that's my theological term, ugh, uh, which is whether it's our sin has got us down or our uh, own suffering or our own difficulties has got us down. And we turn to God. We don't even know what to say. Um, and you have this remarkable passage here that just says that, you know, the Holy Spirit, who knows our minds and knows the mind of God, um, prays on our behalf, brings requests to God the Father on our behalf. Uh, and so how that manifests itself um, for each of us uh, perhaps is different. Um, But in some sense, you know, our spirit is reaching out to the spirit of God and uh, God is interpreting for us what we need and bringing it to God, the father. Um, And so if nothing else, it should be a tremendous encouragement that the Holy spirit is able to bring requests that we can't, logically uh, put together in our mind to God the Father. Um, that should be a pretty big encouragement um, that, you know, that God himself loves us and cares about us that deeply. And is we don't even know what to ask for, but, you know, God knows what we need and uh, is dealing with it. Yeah, and I think there's a real nugget there that, I mean, right there, I mean, Scripture says the Holy Spirit prays for us. Like, that's, a, that's a powerful thought. You know, when I, I remember when I was young, I found out that one of my friend's moms prayed for me all the time. And it blew me away that she would pray for me. And, and this says the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Mm-hmm. That the Holy Spirit cares enough about, again, in the context of this sermon, the, the groanings and the, and the sufferings and we're waiting and things aren't the way they ought to be. And to think, you know what, in the meantime, you know, while we need patience, in the meantime, the Holy Spirit's there praying for us. Right. right? Exactly. So what do I do while I wait? Well, this is, helps me to be in that waiting place. Yeah, and it's interesting that he it uses the word groans again. You know, we see that word several times in this passage, that it's not just creation that's groaning. Like, I, I like your word, Scott, ugh, you know. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is even, there, there's just something really comforting to know that the Holy Spirit says ugh on my behalf as well. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? That mm-hmm. it, it, it's, you know, God, it's the Holy Spirit's God, so the Holy Spirit can bail me out, but mm-hmm. he's not going to bail me out but he's going to pray for me. To me, that's, there's some, there's some good preaching there, right? As you unpack mm-hmm. that particular verse, right? So then we move to the last point, right? So first point, the world isn't the way it ought to be. The second point is that, that not just the world, but God's children have hope of this future glory. It's going to change someday, right? And then the last point is the joy of the future. This is where we're landing the sermon. The joy of the future will be greater than our current suffering. So I, it's not that our suffering is going to, our current suffering is going to go away. That's not the promise. But instead, the promise is that the joy of the future will be greater than our current suffering. And Ross, we get here to verse, we finally now circle back to verse 18. Right, where, you know, this is a biblical theme. You know, it says, hey, it's going to be, whatever suffering you're going through now doesn't compare with the with what you're going to get in the future. And so, I mean, in our culture today, we are so... Uh, oriented toward the quick fix, and yet it's helpful maybe to understand or to explain that, hey, this concept has really gotten Christians through the ages through a lot of stuff. This has been the hope that, that God's people have hung on to through all kinds of challenges in the past. 
Now, I don't want to minimize, and we'll talk about this in the next message too, I don't want to minimize the reality or the, the painfulness of people's suffering. I don't want to just say, hey, well, you know, your suffering doesn't matter because, you know, it's going to be great in the future. Um, but that is a hope, and that is something that we can hang on to. I think, too, um, to look at what he, what he says there, um, in the ESV translation, he says um, that the present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Uh, so there is such a degree greater of greater glory um, coming our way that that is uh, like what think about how bad your your time might be here on Earth in some moments, some days uh, there is inheritance to use the last messages language that is far greater than what you experience now. And so, uh, you know, maybe take some time to sort of try to try to tease that out. Try to it's hard because. I mean, it's hard for us to even really fathom exactly what that'll mean because um, our sufferings feel so big in the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe it takes some time to tease out what that might mean. Um, w- one thing that was helpful for me recently, I was reading a book about uh, the Bible in the future. And there was a chapter of sort of like what, what a Christian experiences right after they die. And, it, and one of the things that was talking about was even just relief from sin. Um, like the struggle of sin is over when a Christian dies and it's over forever. And like, you never have to fight temptation ever again. You never have to fight, you know, um, sexual immorality ever again or gossip or, or whatever it is. Uh, and I just, I really appreciated that. I, I just thought, man, what next time I do a funeral, um, for a Christian, like that, well, that's a great hope. You know, that's a great, like, uh, what will life be like without the specter of sin hanging over it? Um, that that's something I look forward to. Yeah. One of the things I, I think that I'll do in this, in fact, I encourage preachers as they prep for this to maybe Google Jordan Peterson suffering. Uh, Jordan Peterson is really popular right now out there in the, in the secular world. And he talks quite a bit about suffering. One of the things he says is we're here to suffer. So learn to suffer like a man. Um, mm. Another thing he says is life is life is tragic. Happiness is a pointless goal. And mm. I, I just think it's really interesting that he's so popular with that message. Mm-hmm. And what he's I think one of the reasons people gravitate toward him is he's he's being real about it. And he's he's articulating something that people are actually going going through and they're trying to find answers to it. Now, I'll let preachers do do their own research and see what you think about his answers but at the very least it's it would be a relevant thing i think to bring up in a message if you have time um and talk about uh the first century's jordan peterson the apostle paul and what his answer was for this in romans chapter 8 which is really that that this point this last point the joy of the future will be greater than our current suffering not that that it's like the first point is the same for Paul and Jordan Peterson. The first point is suffering is going to happen. Deal with it. Like mm-hmm. don't, don't try to not suffer. That's stupid. You're, you're never going to be able to avoid. I mean, look at um, Steve jobs, right? He had all the money in the world and he mm-hmm. couldn't avoid suffering and death. Right. So right. You, you can't avoid it. And, and the biblical answer is, and to gets back to this message, the biblical answer is that, which is the best answer, is that the joy of the future is better. And we only mm-hmm. have that through Jesus. So this is where we can obviously bring the gospel back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's quite right. I, I would make one other qualification, which is, and, and this is a tension, um, but 
I would say suffering is inevitable. Uh, that is part of life. Deal with it. Learn to ex- learn to accept it. But it's also not right. It's not the way it's supposed mm, to be. It's good. And so I think that as Christians, um, as Christians, uh, we need to, you know, look for opportunities to, um, you know, uh, try to help uh, alleviate the curse of sin. <laughs> Me, I guess. So what I'm meaning is like um, we don't just, you know, when someone's in need, we don't just say, "Well, hey, life's tough. Get over it." Um, you know, as Christians, uh, we say this is not the way it's supposed to be. And we can bring a little bit of that future glory to earth right now and help someone in need. Um, so so uh, there's a bit of a tension there for Christians. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's a good point. Ross, how, how are you going to land this plane? How are you going to what are you going to end on here? You know, the last point is the joy of the future will be greater than current suffering. How are you going right. to finish? Well, when every time in every sermon I'm thinking about, um, is there something here that I need to prove? And I, I don't. I think in this, I don't need to prove that the world is not what it ought to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty intuitive. And I don't need to prove the idea of longing and hope. And, and but what I what I do need to prove, in a sense, is that is that later is better than now. Mm-hmm. And so um, I want to try to illustrate that in some other ways. But besides just saying, "Hey, Bible said it," I mean that that's that's ultimately why I believe it. But I want people to connect with it in some way. So I'm gonna probably try to come up with some illustrations that show even in temporally or even in a shorter time frame why a later is better than now yeah and again if you want to check out ross's manuscript or scott's manuscript it's all at pursuegodnetwork.org in the sermon library so the message title is why later is better than better than now point one because of sin the world is not what it ought to be point two god's creation and his children have the hope of future glory and the last point is that the joy of the future will be greater than our current suffering guys thanks